What does it take to ensure equal access to AI from over 1,300 cities and 130 countries? We bring you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial News, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. And even exposure to AI and the ability to harness its unique benefits will hamper progress in vital sectors and regions. As adoption accelerates, there is an urgent need to bridge the gap between AI's potential and practical implementation. What does it take to ensure equal access to AI? Paula Ingabire is the Rwanda Minister of Information and Communication Technology and Innovation. She talks about the opportunity AI can be to the global south. I think AI is more an opportunity and you see it mostly around our national AI policy and strategy that we launched last year, which in many ways, um, you know, spells out our ambitions as a country uh, to build the AI capabilities that we need as a country, but also not just build the capabilities, think about the applications of AI that are going to drive productivity, that are going to contribute um, uh, to GDP. One of the, as we were developing our policy and strategy, we also had to look at what could be the economic impact of, you know, leveraging AI and deploying it in the different clusters of the economy. And what we saw was a contribution of up to 6% of GDP, even with the current status quo. And so we're already looking at agriculture ranking high in terms of, you know, the economic impact that could happen, whether we're building AI models that will support with early warning systems for farmers, healthcare, where we're looking at, you know, large language models that use the local language to support community health workers that are the frontline, um, you know, workers that are supporting, you know, communities. And so um, for us, it's not a question of do we first focus on, you know, fixing the challenges around digital adoption before we think more futuristically looking at AI. I think it's a combination of doing both at the same time and figuring out um, how do you not play catch up. I think you ask a great question and maybe Amandeep may have to uh, expand on that. I know that there are reports that are already out that show that the global south is more optimistic about AI adoption than the North. And that could be, you know, a question of, we have a very youthful population. They are the ones that are building these solutions, but they're also going to be the consumers of many of these solutions. And so there's an opportunity there that we cannot miss by waiting to first close on the gap around digital adoption, but rather taking it in parallel. Korean Prime Minister Han Daksu speaks on AI literacy and why it needs to be more widely available. I think that... Uh we should uh, recollect what was the mood last year. AI experts last year warned that uh, through only one line statement, that mitigating the risk of ex- extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside pandemics and nuclear warfare. But we still ask whether AI can be the great equalizer. Korea if I may judge in advance, AI can be great equalizer with some caveats. The first thing is how can we make our AI literacy widely available within Korea as well as outside Korea, some countries where Korean can, can help. So, in Korea, we believe about 2,000 uh, AI companies are actually engaged in these operations. And big companies, of course, are there. 
But uh, if I may say, they are actually fine-tuning and customizing uh, these you know, big models of AI to their specific purposes, like healthcare, electronic commerce, and possibly to the climate change. That's the directions we are going, rather than totally generating a new breakthrough frontier AI we, based on this kind of a very big frontier AI, we would like to make them uh, more usable and better adaptable to the need that human beings have. I, uh, I, I believe so because in digitalization, Korea is one of the countries that stands at the forefront. And a quick look at the market. The market segment is powered by the Development Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. The Central Bank of Nigeria has undertaken a significant move to eliminate outstanding foreign exchange liabilities by dispersing approximately $2 billion across pivotal sectors. The sectors include manufacturing, aviation, and petroleum. This intervention encompasses the complete clearance of liabilities for 14 banks and the initiative to settle with foreign airlines. The Central Bank of Nigeria said it had dispersed about $61.64 million to airlines through various banks, saying the action underscores its commitment to the resolution of pending obligations while alleviating the current pressure on the country's foreign exchange and the Naira. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange or Share Index reverted early losses and gained ground to close at 1.4% higher at 75,084, a level not seen since early January. The main support came from Richmond, tracking the solid performance of LVMH in Paris following upbeat corporate Results. Kumba Iron Ore, MTN Group also advanced family. Meanwhile, traders continue to, to assess the prospect of rate cuts by the Federal Reserve this year after the US central bank's favored inflation reading showed that prices continue to moderate in December. Domestically, South Africa Reserve Bank Governor Ledseja Kanyago reiterated that a cut in interest rates will depend on whether headline consumer inflation rates fall within the midpoint of the central bank's 3 to 6% inflation target range in a sustained manner. And a quick trip around Africa, remittance growth to low and middle income countries expected to drop to 3.1% in 2024, the World Bank projects. This is on the trajectory of weaker global economic activities amid geopolitical risks, with the latest being the attacks on vessels in the Red Sea that is threatening to affect international trade and businesses. The Red Sea attacks by the Houthis in Yemen, which started in December, were fueled by the Israeli-Gaza war which alongside the Russian-Ukraine conflict have had grave implication on economies. Remittances to low- and middle-income countries grew at an estimated 3.8% in 2023, moderation from high gains of the previous two years. Major concern is that the risk of decline in real income for migrants of 2024 in the face of global inflation and low-growth prospects, according to the World Bank's latest migration and development briefs latest. Driving the moderated forecasts are a slowing economic growth and a prospect of weaker job markets in several high-income countries. Additional downside risks include volatile oil prices and currency exchange rates and a deeper-than-expected economic downturn in high-income countries. 
After acting as a drag on sub-Saharan African growth in 2023, Nigeria and South Africa expected to reverse this trend during the current year as they shake off the effect of the headwinds that caused the deceleration in 2023. Economic research company BMI expects overall growth in the sub-Saharan Africa to accelerate to 3.7% up from 2.8% in 2023. This is also higher than previously forecast global growth of 2.3%. Eastern and Central Africa will again be the locus of economic growth in the sub-Saharan in Africa, with key markets including Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, and Rwanda forecast to experience high growth of above 6%, while other markets like Kenya following close behind. Sizable nature of markets such as DRC, Ethiopia, and Kenya could cause East African growth to contribute significantly to the overall growth prospects for sub-Saharan Africa. A key driver of sub-Saharan African growth will be a broad disinflationary trend that is forecast to support private consumption across the region. And BMI also expects to see the levels of fixed income growth accelerate during this year. BMI broadly expects inflation to fall from 2023 levels across sub-Saharan African markets, driven by the easing of energy prices and favorable base effects. This will see a narrowing of the interest rate differential between developed and sub-Saharan African markets and gradually increase the risk appetite for emerging market debt and reduce the downside pressure on sub-Saharan African currencies as demand for dollar and safe haven assets recede. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. If you have suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit the website. That's thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K-Financial. And you can find me at Kuthadon. Kuthadon.